Indigenous News every Wednesday and Friday from 7 to 8 a.m. Featuring the warrior woman of radio, Gunnarji O'Sullivan, as host, contemporary Indigenous issues will be brought to the spotlight. Wednesday, 7 to 8 a.m., Democracy Now! will be airing on Thursday from 6 to 7 a.m. And Friday, 7 to 8 a.m., Democracy Now! will be airing on Monday from 6 to 7 a.m. This July, get ready for Indigenous News on CFRO 100.5 FM, Co-op Radio. Do you feel unsafe in your home? You are not alone. Transition houses offer free support and shelter for women and children. We are here for you. We are here for you. We are here for you. Make the call. 1-800-VICTIM-LINK. 1-800-563-0808. BCSCH.ca. Calling all listeners. We need your feedback on our website, www.coopradio.org. The first step to getting a new website that meets our needs is to get as much feedback from members and listeners as possible. We want to invite you to participate in our survey. The link to the survey will be coopradio.org forward slash website. What are you waiting for? Help Co-op Radio shine on air and online at coopradio.org forward slash website. Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. Just say no to family values. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Good afternoon and welcome to Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. I'm one of your co-hosts this afternoon, R.C. Weslowski. And I'm your other co-host, Pamela Bentley. And we're happy to have in studio uh, Kim Trainer. Hi, Kim. Hi. Nice uh, to be here. Yeah, glad to have you here. You've got a brand new book. You've got a book launch coming up, and uh, you're going to start something off uh, with us. I am. Uh, so this book actually is, is a sort of book-length narrative poem, so it doesn't have discrete poems, but I'm going to read the very first opening page. Every morning I wake at dawn and watch the blue light seep through cracks and blinds, like water all around. It trickles through sockets into my mouth, my throat, until I am filled with light and can see the cage of bones, damp heart, dark venous blood at wrist and breast as it scatters through cross-hatched transparent skin. I am clear in this tidal light. And then it goes leaving ligaments and thews strewn like dried grasses, butterflied lungs, a residue of salt in the scraped hollows. Hmm. That's it. The residue of salt, is that um, a reference to the... Because there's like a... 
I haven't read the book. Mm-hmm. It just came out. Just available today. It just came today. out today, so hot off the press. Yeah, yeah, so it's really great that we have you here on the day that it is released. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> um, so I, but I know a little bit about the structure just from reading the, the uh, description yes. in, on the um, website. Mm-hmm. So is that, that salt, is that part of the mummy that is... Maybe like this is going to sound sort of out of place if people don't know what's going on, but could you maybe describe how sure. it, it's a book-length narrative that brings two things together? Right. So uh, initially I was very drawn to reading about a, a, a woman, an Iron Age horsewoman, who was discovered, her grave was discovered on the steppes of Siberia um, in around 1993. So she had lived... 2,500 years ago um, and was a member of the Peziric who were a a horse riding culture and when her grave was discovered by a Russian archaeologist um, she was found to have these very elaborate tattoos on her shoulders and her arms um, and was buried with her horses and with a lot of grave goods like a dish of coriander um, an elaborate headdress and so on um, very beautiful clothing so it was felt that she was probably a very important woman in her tribe so perhaps a shaman a storyteller something like that um, and I was very struck though by the methods that were used to excavate her um, there was certainly some controversy around that it's a very violent kind of excavation um, the current Altai people who, who live in the region were very concerned retrospectively with how she her body was taken and moved completely out of the region. So there are all these things that were very, very interesting to me and disturbing. Um, and I knew I wanted to write about her, but I wasn't sure what my way into writing about this would be. Um, and then when I actually finally sat down, I had a, a spring free to write. Um, I actually found I was writing these small journal entries, not about her, but about a past lover who had later, long after I left, we'd left each other, um, had had died by suicide, had taken his own life, and I began to realize it was a sort of long grieving process that I was working through, both mm. excavating uh, his memory and his body, and then delving into this archaeological um, mm-hmm. excavation of the woman whose name was dubbed by the Russian archaeologist Lady, which apparently means the lady in Russian. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the book goes back and forth, interested in these two excavations. There you go, excavation. Yes. I was going to say, so is, do you think it's connected that it was so long before um, that, because how long uh, after well, he died were you doing this? So we had been together in the late 80s, early 90s. In fact, when I used to do radio at uh, UBC, um, Mm -hmm. and so there are some radio elements in the book, in fact, and and we were still good friends, um, and it was much later, maybe uh, 10 10 years ago, 15 Mm -hmm. years ago that he died. So um, there was, and then when I sat down to write, this was maybe three or four years ago, so there's this long extended timeline. So I'm thinking back, though, to the 90s. Mm -hmm. So when we were together was around the same time that her uh, grave was being excavated, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these two lives are intertwined in the book? In, in a sense, yes, the excavation process, I oh, okay. guess I'd say. Your own yeah. personal excavation and then mm-hmm. the excavation of the... Yeah. Now, was yeah. the was lady or the lady, was were they an indigenous um, occupant of that land? Well, or they, they were... They well, sh- sure, they were the Paziric culture, so they were around 2500 B.C., um, they were, are associated with the Scythians, who are described by Herodotus um, in his histories. Um, 
whether or not they have a direct lineage or descent mm. to the Altai today, it's not known, but the Altai claim her as their person, okay. so I would go with that, mm-hmm. yeah. for sure. Yeah, and then yeah. one of the things I was struck by, because I was reading articles about it in preparation mm-hmm. for this, mm-hmm. and I kept thinking, was were the people there okay with this? And then eventually, you know, that comes into yeah. the articles about mm-hmm. the same concerns, yeah. right? Like these people were, this this woman was left there on purpose mm-hmm. in the way that yes, she was left. exactly. Uh, clothed a yeah. certain way, put in a different a certain yeah. position with horses buried around yeah. her and buried by herself when yeah. most of the other burials were with people, right? Mm-hmm. So that was one of the clues yeah. as to... And they kept calling her a princess mm-hmm. when she really wasn't a princess. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like yeah. the shaman is more, even probably more powerful, but they kept like, and calling her a girl because yeah. it was, mm. she was fairly young, yeah. but you wouldn't have lived that long anyway. Like there's yeah. all this sort of... Um, this this ignoring of what yeah they want what was important yeah, yeah to me yeah absolutely and I think I believe her body has been at least returned to the region and is housed in a special mausoleum that's more uh, there's more control of this by the Altaian people who live there today mm-hmm. so there at least that has happened but I think so I, I recall reading that some groups have have asked actually for her just reburial mm-hmm. right so there's that these comp- competing urges to preserve the knowledge that was gained mm-hmm. or so-called knowledge that was gained mm-hmm. from excavating her and then desiring to r- sort of preserve simply the way that she was buried as she was meant to have been mm-hmm. um, and so for me that becomes a kind of analog as well though for how we excavate memories and interact mm-hmm. with others and the kind of violence that is sometimes enacted upon others too in our relationships with friends and lovers. So mm-hmm. all of that is at work. Can you elaborate on that I, That last little bit, the violence mm-hmm. that's... Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I, I was thinking a lot... I can't say, I, I don't know, when I'm writing poetry, I'm not. it's not that I'm thinking at that logical level, but as far as the imagery and the metaphors that are drawn out throughout the book, I'm, I'm interested in the body as a form of witness, I suppose and how we leave marks or traces on the body. So mm. I start with the idea of the tattoo, but then um, the ways in which we do inflict trauma to some extent on others as well, whether it's uh, on purpose or not, or we're not trying to be hurtful, but perhaps we are. Um, and even you know, with the person I'm describing, um, when we were together, he tried to take his own life. And that, in fact, I, I came to the realization as I was... Uh, not even while I was writing it, but much later reading it through, thinking, in a sense, I was the one who died the day that he tried to Mm. take his own life, that my life stopped for some time, long time. Um, And certainly when he finally succeeded later in life, um, that had a tremendous impact on his family. And and so we do inflict trauma on others. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess that's sort of working at the back of my head. Yeah. Uh, would you care to share something else from the book? Yeah, I'm sure. sure some of this will appear as well as, uh, okay. like you said, on a different level for, with the poetry. Yeah. Um, well, I, I thought I would read from a section. This is the section I wrote most recently. Um, I wrote most of the book um, f- fairly quickly a couple years ago, and then I, I knew there was something I still needed to add, and I wrote this last section when I uh, was in Banff a couple years ago. So this section is, is called Ghost. 3rd June. Some days I want to turn to you and ask if you remember the night we stood at the crossroads in Mojave City and listened to the train come in across the desert floor. Thin line of steel piercing a vein. The rushing wind. 
or the Portuguese soup in Mike's Café. Later in the soft evening heat, we drove past the RV park and the boneyard, the broken aircraft you identified easily, your language of frequencies and code. Our first date, you taught me how to tune in the shortwave at the Amateur Radio Society, BBC World Service, Deutsche Welle. How the continent opened at night to AM waves refracted in the ionosphere. The radio dials glow. Your fingers calling down voices. Art bell drawn through static. <laughs> Men talking conspiracies and angels. I have a book from that road trip. 100 desert wildflowers. You always followed me where I wanted to go. Long Beach and a campsite in the dunes. A detour to a Portland bookstore. Hours drinking black coffee in the cafe while I lost myself in books. You found it difficult to read. I always wanted more from you. I have no letter written in your hand. No photograph. At lunch, I sit next to a man in the cafeteria who tells me he sees a tattoo as what is left behind, as a trace of a process or event, just as a scar remembers a cut, the point where the blade entered the body, the story it tells. I look everywhere for you, in tins and shoeboxes. There are so many things I cannot find. A reel-to-reel -reel with your name on the label gummed to its center and a question mark. Is it you? I cut up your voice in seat control, slip the tape back and forth across the heads to isolate a word, a breath caught in the throat. Meaning poured out of sound. Slice it out, tape it back again. I can't recall your face, your voice. Tape your tongue, how much I missed of you. Tape your lips. Fourth June. As she emerged from the ice, toward the very end they used their fingers to work at the fabric on her body, to ease her left arm out without tearing off her skin. Her clasped hands, so. In this way it felt as if she were coming to life beneath their fingertips. So I work your body in memory. These barbaric methods. They used cupfuls of hot water to slow the spill of tiny artifacts. 5th June. But I resist. I approach you sideways, a little at a time over years. I write a line and score it out, write another line, delete it. You recorded everything, the Dopplering train whistle and the insects that woke at dusk, the man at the gas station who taught us how to say to Hatchapi, the wind against the sides of the van where we sheltered at night. You tell me, listen. You take my head in your hands, adjust my earphones, check the levels. A single insect, then a second, begins to sing. A chorus, electric, this blue light, one group signaling to another across the high desert plain. A train whistle approaches through the dusk, enters me. The skin is inscribed. This is not metaphor, but actual material modification of flesh through cutting, piercing, painting, or tattooing. This is the body as being in the world. The skin is inscribed. This is metaphor. Perceptions and memories are entangled inside and through the body surface. 6th June. A strange patchwork. Your hair so black it looked dyed. 
scuffed brown loafers and a wine velour sweater you wore innocently, a languor in your stride. I don't remember how you taste. I don't remember your chest, your ears, your thighs. 6 June. The train is far out on the desert floor. We stand at the crossing, silent, because you are recording. My head fits under your collarbone. The train's thin whistle spools itself within the morants, laying down a ghostly track that will remain long after your body shielding mine is ash. Provisions for life after death. Remove the eyes. Remove the teeth, seeds of life. Remove the wet membranes. Remove the cartilage of the ribs. Anoint the head and the skin with resin, with oil, with beeswax. Clothing is the receptacle for the soul. Clothe the body in plain weave and twill, t-shirt and denim. Prepare vessels of clay, of horn, of wood. Pour a drink for the gods. Smoke a cigarette. Techniques employed in working the different materials. I remove the skin and work it with my fingers to make it soft and pliable. I thread a needle with sinew and run the line beneath the most translucent layer. I make small stitches. I patch the damaged places. I mix ash with red wine to make a paste. I draw letters with the tip of my finger on the inside of your thigh. I sharpen my knife and make small cuts in a circular fashion. I scoop out the marrow. I make perforations and join them with strands of hemp. I inspect the fibers for swellings and thickenings. I plate the words. I bind your wrists. I mark you with ash. I mark you with ochre and cinnabar. I soften you with my fingertips. 7th June, I know more of her burial site than yours. Mm. I place you here, in the Mojave, in this sear blue. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, thank you. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Our guest today is Kim Trainer, uh, reading from her new book, Lady. Is it Lady La- or I La- say lady? lady, but I'm just kind of making yeah, that I up. I wasn't sure either. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you're listening to her here today on Wax Poetic on Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. Um, listening to that, it made me think of uh, listening to this again in the middle of the night. Like it's yeah. like when, I mean the Art Bell reference and all that yeah. sort of stuff. But just the and the and the tape and the sound and a lot of play with yeah. the idea of sound and all that sort of stuff. And just yeah. uh, the quiet that we were able to have here with you listening to it. I thought too, like wow, under the stars, listening to that yeah. on a shortwave radio, yeah. not no, not necessarily knowing who's going to hear it. Um, anywhere yeah. around the world at any time. It's really... It's, That's it, what I love about radio. It's that intimacy and the, just the quiet voice of someone who may be so far away in your ear and your mm-hmm. head. Um, and in part with analog radio, the beauty of... It's an actual sort of physical presence. Mm-hmm. Maybe not so much with digital, but yeah. nonetheless, you lose a bit of the, the romance. Okay. Yeah, I was always surprised when people thought that radio was going to die. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. the next thing comes and radio's going to die, yeah. this is going to die. Yeah. Um, the part where you were saying the, the preparation, the preparations for burial, and then that mm-hmm. line, I know more about her burial than mm-hmm. I know of yours, and then you mm-hmm. imagine the Mojave Desert. That was so, that was so beautiful and, and eerie. And that part where you're saying that I do this and I do that, some of it I recognize as things that were probably done to ladies' body. Right. But you um, are Im- are imagining that you were the person who was also reanimating the skin and 
preparing that body um but then were you also imagining that you were doing that for your former lover or? i think as a metaphorically as a an analog for the writing of the book you know like just what am mm. i doing here yeah. and and wanting to honor him but also needing to work through this for myself um so i i think it's it's a stand-in for that kind of concern there's a, a tenderness but also a, a worry about doing more damage mm -hmm. what did you learn about uh, your partner after reading about her discovering lady and coming back to that back and forth hmm. I think it, it it really just reminded me of that time in my life because I think I'd kind of um, shut it off not compartmentalized, gone, yeah, compartmentalized it, yeah. it and I wanted to really think much about it uh, for a long time and um, when I wrote Ghost in particular we had gone on several road trips in the Mojave Desert and it just brought it all back all of the materiality of it mm. and remembering Art Bell I think it was like coast to coast or something yeah. we listened to and all of that and just um, it was amazing how much you, you can bring back or remember just those little details was the remembering and the writing about it, because you said you were talking about the process of the writing sort of as a metaphor in that section that I asked about, was it, um, did you feel like it was a prepare, preparing him for burial in your mind? That's what it became, especially with the, that, that section I read to you. And when I was at Banff, I was working a little bit with um, Lisa Robertson. And when she read the, the version I had of it, of the book as a whole, she, she told me it reminded her of, um, of Mallarmé, of his idea of the tombeau. So Mallarmé would write, like he wrote a poem for his son Anatole, who died very young, and um, it was called Un tombeau pour Anatole, I think, uh, like a tomb for Anatole, and that it's um, like a written monument in mm. a sense, so that the book itself becomes the resting place in mm -hmm. a way, it becomes the bur mm. burial site. Mm -hmm. Or the resting place for your memories and your... Yes. Uh, because I would imagine you said that when he first um, attempted to kill himself mm -hmm. when you were together mm -hmm. that your life stopped for a while mm -hmm. so when you went back to this there was also that reanimation of that trauma as well mm -hmm. right yeah so uh, do you feel like this has put a tomb on that as well i'm not sure if that ever fully happens i know there's that that idea can we find clo closure i think grieving continues in different kinds of ways so i feel maybe this is one stage mm-hmm um I'm not sure it it ends. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about memory and your ideas mm. around memory because you've got the uh, physical memories of the sound and the tape and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think you make a reference to memory or something in in that a bit and how it's um, well. Uh, how what is your what is your what are your ideas about memory and where's the accuracy? Not necessarily accuracy, but you know the things that you thought maybe had been a part of the relationship and then there's other things that oh there was this mm -hmm. came up and i don't know if that's mm -hmm. how for real that is and all that kind of stuff well in the earlier sections of the book there are i build in a lot of repetition mm -hmm. um of real because a lot of the different descriptions i read of ladies excavation differ they change mm -hmm. like every book and an article I read there was a slightly different version and then I'd have to revise my understanding hmm. and it seemed to me that was also a kind of analog for how memory works like you're constantly revising and maybe fabricating as well yeah. so there I, I guess I feel this is my best effort at what I feel I remember but how it relates to the facts of that mm -hmm. That case, I don't know. Well, even might not even mm -hmm. be fabrication. It's something that yeah. you use to, 
you know, help yourself in yes. a way sometimes just to get yeah. through any of that trauma or whatever, or the memory of it, you know, like mm -hmm. the, the full impact, emotional impact might not be something you can handle. And so you create yeah. different ways to deal with it. Yeah. And you think, um, I'm asking both of you this, do you think when you have, um, when you experience the suicide of somebody's close, close to you, is it, does it have a different impact in that way? Um, than if it's just a unexpected death or, I mean, obviously it would have a different way if it was like a unexpected death. Mm -hmm. And does that stay with you? I'm asking you that too, RC. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I've had several experiences of an unexpected death and it's, uh, it's, it's hard to, it's, it's very hard to process like it was um, say my grandmother's where it was expected that this was mm -hmm. coming and it was the right time um but with with unex where it comes at a time where the person seems too young or it's not the right time it's it's and it, or and you weren't expecting it it's it's a, an intense physical reaction initially i mean i remember just hearing of this my arms just completely going numb mm -hmm. you just it, the, these physical reactions that you can't control and the memory of that moment. Mm -hmm. I think they all stick with you. I mean, it, and it depends, like, in, <laughs> depending on how much death you have in, in your life. I mean, it, it all, you know, too young and too young, which, I, you know, there's definitely feelings of that if somebody is, you know, still a kid or in their young, early 20s and all that sort of stuff. But, I mean, you go when you're, you go. And, and I, th I think our culture... And in a broad sense, uh, Western culture, we don't because we don't talk about death, and we think that you know everything's going to be great all the time, and that we don't deal with um, so-called negative emotions and whatnot. So when these things happen, it's like it's earth-shattering, and sometimes it, it literally is because you, you know your 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 world collapses away. But if we thought of it all the t you know not necessarily all the time, but if it's a regular thing that's part of our lives, knowing that everyone is going to die in a, like on a physical literal. Mm -hmm. level then when it happens there's still that grief and sadness but it's like okay this is still part of life and we continue on rather than mm -hmm. like, why did you even die well mm -hmm. because that's what happens you mm -hmm. know and, right. but we don't a lot of us don't have that to, or take some time to get get mm -hmm. that realization and then until you don't it's like what the hell why is everybody dying mm -hmm. you know and i don't know that that when you were both talking about memory there can also be insights that come that mm -hmm. you, you suddenly see something in a different way and you're like, oh, and that feels like the right mm -hmm. thing. And you, it, it can be 20 years later. Yeah. Right? And then you feel kind of foolish, right? Particularly if you've been extrapolating. <laughs> but um, let, um, I know that the, the book does not have the discrete poems, like mm -hmm. you said, but is there any more that you can read for us? Or actually, how about you just tell us about the book launch first, because we're almost oh, out yeah, of time. Oh, yeah, we need to Let's make sure. Sure. Well, um, I am launching the book with uh, my f poet friend, Jennifer Still. Uh, Zilm, sorry. Jennifer Zilm. Jennifer I have Jennifer's on, on the brain. Jennifer was <laughs> also a great poet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I met Jennifer at Banff. In fact, I, f I feel in some ways I went to Banff to meet Jennifer. Mm. And, oh, cool. um, yeah, we got along like a house on fire. So we are, we are doing a joint book launch on Sunday night, um, 5.30 to nine-ish um, at the, well, what used to be the Cottage Bistro. It's changed. It's called Hood 29 now on Main Street. 
So we'll be having a small party and there will be refreshments and it's free for this anyone Sunday. who's... Yeah, this Sunday. So anyone who would like to come by and hear some really great poetry. Jennifer's collection is the, the missing field. It's cool that you're having it together even though your books are from different uh, publishers. Yours is from Book Thug. Yes, that's right. And um, hers is from Green Canada Editions. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, and, but you're doing it because you're friends. Yeah, and Jennifer published with Book Thug or B- Book Hug... Um, uh, two, th- right, two, three years ago, yeah, yeah. So th- she still has that connection as well with them. So they were happy to have us work together on this. And then, are you touring with it? Are you going um, doing other I, readings? Yeah, I'm going to um, to Toronto for the Book Hug Fall launch party, uh, November first, and then I'll be reading in Montreal a couple of days after that. Nice at Drawn and Quarterly. Great. Yeah, I'm really. Oh, and I'm doing the Dominion Reading Series here in Vancouver. Uh, with Candy Tanaka, so I'm really excited about that. Too. And what day is that? You know? That I believe is the seventh. Oh, seventeenth of November. It's, it's a Saturday. If that's one. a Saturday, yeah, it's the November one. It's a Saturday. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we do have time no, for we it don't. anymore. Like we need some, do some uh, other announcements. Yes. Yeah, do you other have anything on your mind? Um, yeah, the um, lunch poetry is coming back for the fall. It's back to school. Uh, it's Ian Williams and oh, I was going to look it up before we got to this point. Um, Ian Williams and another poet whose name I didn't recognize right off the top of my head, right off the... Is it next Wednesday? Saw, yeah, so it's next Wednesday, which is why I was mentioning it. Now, um... And that's what else? SFU downtown, correct? Yes. Yep. And what else do you have? Uh, just looking here on the old Facebook, we've got uh, open mic at the Lyceum, the October edition, coming up this Friday, and that is at Christiane's Lyceum, which is basically... Broadway and Alma. I think it's 7th Avenue and Alma, West 7th and Alma. Uh, coming up on Monday, it's the Vancouver Poetry Slam featuring Savannah Pulfer. Uh, this evening at uh, Cartum's Donutery in uh, Kitsilano, not the one on Main Street, the one in Kits. Uh, they're having the UBC Poetry Slam. I don't think they have a feature this evening, uh, but you can check that out. Uh, weekly Stories. Uh, community storytelling on the drive at the Drive Coffee Bar is happening this evening. It uh, doesn't say what time, but Have prob- you been to that? Uh, no, I have not. Oh, I believe it's at 7. Probably. Um, but I hadn't been to that yet, and so I was curious about it. I know that Poets Corner, which is the one that used to be out in New West, mm-hmm. is having a reading. Oh, it's next um, next Wednesday, the 17th. Um, it is Oniana Youngway and William New, and that is at Massey Books, which is just a few blocks from here on yeah. uh, Georgia Street. In yeah, between they're doing a lot of readings. Gore and Maine. Yeah, it's become one of the main places for readings. Yeah, that's cool. Um, uh, yeah, and Shazia uh, Hafiz had her reading there last week, and she will be our guest next week on mm-hmm. Co- on And also, just looking here, Twisted Poets have another event coming up on October 25th at Hood. 29? Yeah. 29? Um, also known as the Cottage Bistro. Uh, don't know why they changed that name. Well, somebody know. bought it, and they oh. wanted to do it, but their logo is horrible. I mean, it looks like eyes in a white hood. Like a little cartoon. I know. It's it's like, and they, if there was an apostrophe before the hood, that might help. I don't know. I don't know. Wait, I had a whole discussion about the last time I was there at the event. I just don't know if it's a really great rebranding, but yeah, um, yeah. It, it's still the same staff. It's still Eugene. It's still him being generous with the space. And, um, and everyone calls it the Cottage Bistro. So yeah, right. I, I think I'm going to come up with a new, instead of AKA, it's going to be FKA. Formerly known as. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, that's all the time we've got. Thank you, uh, Kim Trainer, our guest this afternoon. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Sunday, five thirty. Yeah. To uh, hear more at yeah. Cottage Bistro slash Hood.
29 uh, with Jennifer Zilm. And congratulations on the new book out Thank today. Thank you so much. Yeah. And we didn't even talk about your older book, but your le- the book that came out a few years ago. But you have a website. Quickly I do. Say, oh, I, I have a blog, but I don't know what the actual website is. Just if you do a search for my name, Kim Trainer, you'll find it. It's spelled right with away. N-O-R. Yeah, N-O-R. and it's a great blog, and um, there's lots of stuff there. Cool. All right, so uh, that's it. <laughs> I'm R.C. Weslowski. I'm Pam Bentley. This has been Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. No apologies necessary is coming up next. You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what? And we bring you uh, the best in local and Canadian music every single Wednesday uh, from 2.30 to 3.30. So for the next hour, we got to hang out. Uh, hope we can use your way across the airwaves, uh, inspire the minds, and soothe the road rage. Uh, we got a bunch of good music to off the show here. Um, I have some friends uh, in this crew called Mob Bounce. Um, I believe they played at the School Confessed uh, recently, that, that awesome shindig apparently that went down in uh, Stanley Park there, uh, and they were they were performing there, and uh, then we're going to get into uh, some DJ Vect, a uh, phenomenal Ontario-based uh, turntablist, and then uh, we're going to get to the Honey Tongues, which is like Red Haven meets Dirty Grace, these two BC bands uh, combined to make a uh, Super Trooper band called The Honey Tongues, and uh, playing a tune called Glass House, and then we're going to get to some good oldies, uh, some classic Vancouver 
uh, turntablism from the No Luck Club, and uh, Devil in the Wood Shack was shattered, uh, followed up with some Mocha Only. So I'm pretty excited about all the tunes. Here we got Mocha Only featuring MF Doom towards the end of the set. Uh, yeah, and just uh, make sure to stay, keep it locked. Be nice to everybody out there on the road. Have a lovely Wednesday. We'll be right at you. Peace. Co-op Radio. No apology necessary. In the flesh, my spirit asking me to go on a vision quest. I need to hear my gods, cause I've been listening less. Disappeared to the woods so I can receive the gifts. I'm the earth child, dying and rebirth in the wild. I'm on my healing journey, I've been hurt for a while. If you're working with a smile, surfacing the vow, searching for your fire. I'm in the same place, creating space to flame, getting higher. My body vibrating, I am awake my soul. Creating arms to reawaken hearts to take back control. That's the place that it go. It's in the way that it flow. Breaking chains, escaping the home, my face engraved in the stone. Making connections. With our sisters and brothers here to rediscover Sky Father, Earth Mother. These words hover in dimensions that will uncover the inventions of our ancestors. Traditional structures is for the future generations. Foundation in the time of internet connection. Disconnects the ancient, it intercepts the intellect that enters us the birth. Switches us a fragrance, picking up these pieces on this earth. I'm sending prayers out of the inlet and King Cohen. My skin's cold, winds blowing, my spirits would I 
haven't shown it to codes and rock and once rose told them pose these are catacombs that exposed and nature's grows we are in the state of awakening this is your experience don't forget to take it in People tend to look over the real art of DJing. 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 It's more than standing on top of the DJ booth with your hands up. So I'm gonna tell you a little bit about scratching. This is what keeps me passionate about DJing. DJing. Rhythm, you have it or you don't, you don't, you don't have rhythm, 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 you have it or you don't, you don't, you don't, don't, you don't, you don't. Make it, make it funky, make it funky, make it funky, make it funky, make it funky. Writing for a paper, you know. 
then now I won't ask for nothing until the day I can't breathe. Oh. Falling red in the cracks of the streets And you are giving me a look that says I got to retreat But no, I won't ask for nothing Just uh, give me up something that you can't hide away Behind your eyes I got free And won't you lie down, baby, yeah, I know who you are Won't you lie down, baby, I don't know who you are And won't you cry now, baby, show me some affection And I will write you a letter about your massive Cause I am living in a glass house and nobody can see And I am writing for a paper that nobody can read And I am living in a glass house and nobody can see And I am writing for a paper that nobody I won't ask for nothing until today I can't breathe No I'm gonna show you how to get started playing rock guitar. Well, let's get it on. If you're gonna be a serious guitar player, if you're gonna, if you're gonna be a rock guitar player and you wanna learn to play good, your fingers on your left hand are gonna get off the solo.
Listening to No Apology Necessary here on Co-op Radio 100.5 FM. My name is Kenan Ziegler Sunger. We just heard some great music in that last set from the Honey Tongues, uh, Mob Bounce, No Luck Club, DJ Vect, Devil in the Woodtrack, Mocha Only, MF Doom. We got the legendary Canadian uh, guitarist Lenny Bro in the background off his album The Velvet Touch of Lenny Bro. Pretty velvety. Uh, we're going to keep it rolling with a bunch of good music. That's, uh, you know, mainly what we do here. Um, and uh, in this next set, we're going to get a bit of a mashup. We're going to hear some music uh, from Staggers and Jags, Propagandy. We're also going to hear uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of news-related uh, stuff related to climate change and uh, some of the warnings that are coming out now, especially as... Uh, you can see dozens of different poor souls trying to report the news from the center of a hurricane in Florida that's about to sever the appendage known as Florida from the carcass that is known as America. And we hope that uh, those people are as safe as possible during this uh, brisk. Then we're also going to get some Kenny Star uh, featuring Jace El Nino uh, with a bit of... Uh, Frack Attack, uh, and they're off the Clogged Arteries uh, compilation. 
that supports frontline uh, pipeline, anti-pipeline activism uh, and indigenous land protectors. Uh, we're also going to get to some Jeff Burner with us who keeps the rent down, baby. Uh, and then a special little surprise uh, information session here on uh, the Discovery Channel. No, wait, this is Co-op Radio. You're listening to Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. Keep it locked. We'll be here with you until 3.30. carbons needs to be stored and disposed of. That's usually done in pits on site, in deep wells, or off site at water treatment facilities. Another option is to recycle the flowback liquid, but the recycling process can actually increase levels of since the water is more toxic Wells are typically encased in steel and cement to prevent contaminants from leaking into groundwater. But any negligence or fracking-related accidents can have devastating effects. Fracturing directly into underground water, hazardous underground seepage and leakage, and inadequate treatment and disposal of highly toxic wastewater can potentially contaminate drinking water around the fracking site. There's also concern about the threat of earthquakes and damaged infrastructure from pressure and wastewater injection. Links between fracking and increased seismic activity
1992, Hitchens faxed his copy through as regards Columbus Day. If you'll permit me the conceit of a posthumous critique, I'll paraphrase. My colorful, exotic friend, respectable, well spoken, I like the rest of them. 